T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's fast, physical. It's it's guys that attack, um, relentless. They have endurance that can do it for a long period of time. So, and that's pretty easy to see on tape. Um, not a, not that there's a ton of them everywhere, but those guys stand out because they play with a different mindset. Ryan Poles, still your Bears GM. Talking at the Combine. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosen, little Mike Esposito with you. We go to the Indianapolis Combine. We welcome in Chris Emma of The Score. He joins us on The Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Well, whatever they're talking about with Justin Fields needing and the, the fact that the general manager of the Bears actually used his quarterback's first name in talking about him this week shows great progress. He needs playmakers, and there's a whole bunch of fast out there on display this week. Chris, what caught your eye? Who caught your eye? Who's the most likely Bears draft pick of those receivers that ran sub 4440s? Well, first of all, I'm sorry to disappoint of being neither Dave nor Barry, so uh, I hope Track Band <laughs> is on it. I know he's working hard. Uh, I That's one of the hardest working producers we have. So oh if anybody's going to get it, it's Track Panda. But. Uh, moving along to the important <laughs> issues here, it's, it's, you know, it's the thing that stood out to me, guys, was the speed and the talent at receiver, which you mentioned, and that matters for the Bears, not necessarily because, you know, they're going to be making some great move up to get one of these guys, but there's going to be a trickle-down effect. Some great first-round great receiver, somebody who's very high in the Bears' board, is probably going to be falling down to the 30s and pick 39, or maybe even if it's just late first where the Bears are comfortable enough trying to make some kind of move. Uh, and then also considering free agency, what you're looking at. That comes first, of course, and how many big-name established veteran receivers are going to be available. Uh, there's depth. There's tremendous depth in this position where uh, it, it's going to last to the draft, and the Bears are going to be in a great position, whether it's in the open market here in next or week and a half, or if it's in the draft or both, they're going to be getting some really talented receiver. You heard it from Ryan Poles, and you've heard it from everybody else around the Bears and around Indianapolis. The Bears know they have to build around Justin Fields. Yeah, Chris, and uh, I get the same uh, vibe that you do from the receiver position. Listen, they, they can get guys later in the draft, free agency, whatever, but outside of Darnell, Movie, Darnell Mooney, who they all raved about this week, there, there's not, I mean, what else is left in that receiver room? Nothing, right? I mean, all it'll be all new receivers room except for Mooney, probably, right? 
Yeah, and I like that Ryan Poles pointed when he was asked about kind of who stood out as you did this evaluation. He said right away, Darnell Mooney. They, they see really something in this kid, and he had a tremendous season. I, I don't know if he's more than what we saw, but, you know, that 80-plus catch guy and somebody who's probably a very good number two receiver, but you don't really count this kid out of anything because he was a fifth-round pick and a kid uh, really overlooked into the draft who keeps getting better and better, and he works his tail off. So uh, if he is just what we saw last season, that's tremendous, but I would never bet against him getting better and better. Now they need to build around that, and they need some explosiveness around this offense. It's so clear, and it's really, if you're a Bears fan, it's refreshing to hear the general manager say after doing such a deep dive into this roster, into every game, he saw what every Bears fan saw, that they needed to be better for Justin Fields. And now you start building on that. You start working around uh, your hopes of turning him in. As he said, Ryan Poole sees what he said was a high ceiling in Justin Fields. He wants to see how high that ceiling really goes, and this is the opportunity to do that when you build around the quarterback. Talking with Chris Emma of The Score. He's in Indianapolis at the Combine. We're talking Bears football here on The Score with... Steve Rosenblum, Mike Esposito hosting Saturday Suckage. One of the one of the things that is deceiving, the, the the worst one of the worst things was as regards receivers in these um underwear Olympics is that there's a massive difference in straight ahead speed and game speed. There's a big difference when you're wearing your underwear running straight ahead and you're wearing football pads. And angry men are chasing you, and you're trying to go up, and you might be vulnerable. And I don't know if they've talked about it down there, Chris. They The Bears need to be right in finding out whose game speed is closest to his underwear speed. And I don't know if there's a, an, a way you can determine that or if the Bears have talked about it, if scouts have told you, if people have not attached their name to it. And who, where those guys rank? Who are those guys whose game speed is, is much more dangerous than their straight-ahead speed? Yeah, and you're exactly right. There's a difference between being fast and playing fast. Somebody like Chris Olave jumps out because he was that explosive, dynamic receiver at Ohio State. And it ultimately comes down, I don't have the list of names that I could particularly answer that question, but if you're Ryan Poles or if you're any Bear Scout, you trust the tape. And to answer this a little bit deeper, what I came away from really impressed by hearing Ryan Poles this week was talking about the way that they've been evaluating, whether it's right now it's players on the roster and players in free agency and obviously get more interest in the draft as you move along here. They have a delicate process that what Ryan Poles explained to me before when he first got hired, it's the John Dorsey way of evaluating talent. They get everybody in the room. He, he doesn't want just his inner circle of a couple, you know, Ian Cunningham and the close scouts. He wants every scout and every assistant coach to be a part of this. They go through their evaluations kind of one by one, and then they kind of critique each other's evaluation. So if you're like, let's say, a Southeast scout and you're presenting a player, everybody in that room is looking at the film they see something that's presented by that Southeast scout, and they say, well, actually, I saw the film there. It doesn't look right. And they go through it as a team, as a scouting team, whether it's coaches and the scouts and Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham and everybody involved go through a very detailed process. Ryan Poles told me a while back that's something that he learned from John Dorsey is creating that kind of process. So that's how you weed out whether somebody is fast versus whether they can play fast. Chris, we've had drafts like last year's when the Bears took fields that – it's quarterback Palooza, and everyone's trading up, and uh, quarterback is the position. This year is the exact opposite. I mean, are we even going to have a quarterback in the first round? And 
and more specifically to the Bears, who are talking about offensive line, it sure looks like there's going to be a lot of offensive line taking taken up high. Yeah, great offensive line draft, great receiver draft. That's what stood out this week for sure. Great Georgia Bulldog draft too. I yeah. mean, how many of those guys are uh, really jumping out here? And you know these mock drafts and looking high up in the draft. Uh, you're right though; it, it's not a great year to be looking at quarterback. And I guess you, you kind of you're really proud and happy that they got Justin Fields when they did, as opposed to kind of looking at this and. Uh, Malik Willis looks really impressive. Uh, the Kenny Pickett thing, I, I don't put much stock in the hand size. I understand why some do. Uh, I love that that always becomes a debate this time of year. But, yeah, you're right. It, it's not a deep quarterback draft, and you're going to have to be really fortunate if you're a team. Look at, like, the Lions, for example, or maybe even a team like the Vikings. Two division rivals or heck, even the Packers maybe. You know, looking at the idea of trying to find their next young arm, it's not a lucrative opportunity here. We're talking with Chris Emma. He's at the Combine. He covers the Bears for the score. Saturday suckage here. So, Chris, the the Bears have a need for playmakers all over the place and people to block for the quarterback to find those playmakers. They also have great needs at important positions. Three technique, the weak side linebacker, cornerback, slot cornerback, safety, however you want to look at it. Do you think... And as you dope all this out, they only have five draft picks now. And there's free agency, and Ryan Pohl said he's not really jumping into that. Do you think the the Bears, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, will be forced to choose one way or the other? Will they be forced to imp- improve Justin Fields' playmakers? Or will they be forced to improve just the th- the Tampa 2 defense that Eberflus wants to play, will they only be able to improve one side of the ball to any degree? That's a great question. For starters, I would bet the over on five picks being used by the Bears. I think Ryan Poles is going to be looking to trade down. He's a younger general manager, and he believes in that. And he's kind of alluded to it already. I think they're going to be very aggressive in looking for trades down and the opportunity to get more than just those five picks. Uh, and going to off what you're saying, too, I think he's going to be very aggressive in those second and third waves of free agency. You look at that Colts defense, for example. We talk about the defense first here and what Matt Eberflus oversaw over the last four years. They did so well in building a defense of diamonds in the rough. And Darius Leonard stands out, a guy who was a second-round pick and now is one of the best inside linebackers in the entire league. Um, that's obviously a shining example of hitting on that kind of pick. Uh, Kenny Moore, the guy's a pro bowler last season. He got let go by the New England Patriots. The you know, these standard of excellence over the last two decades. They didn't see something in him. The Colts did. Uh, I think Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are going to be really combining their heads. And obviously, there might be one or two splashes in that first wave, but I think they're going to be very aggressive and very selective in a way with that second and third wave of finding guys that they believe fit their identity and fit their culture. Uh, and so I think that's how they're going to kind of approach this. I, I think, obviously, the priority right now, because Justin Fields needs to have that significant improvement this season, is probably going to be building uh, with immediate needs for the offense. And I think, in particular, veterans on the offensive line. You want stability there, especially with two guys coming off a rookie season, potentially starting in Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins. I, I would be really coveting that veteran stability, particularly on the interior. Uh, I'd be looking for for young receivers who Justin Fields can ideally build his career with. Guys who he can start that connection with fresh and build on for several years to come. So I'd 
prioritize that. Maybe a veteran receiver as well, somebody who's established and trustworthy. But uh, I'd be looking more toward the draft for that receiver class. And, and all the above, really, the draft and free agency in terms of building that defensive identity. Uh, Matt Eberflus's fingerprints are going to be all over that because that's how it worked in Indianapolis. He was so good at working alongside Chris Ballard, who's an excellent talent evaluator, in finding and building that identity. And I think that's what they're going to try to replicate here. Yeah, Chris, and, and the Bears have the double whammy, though, of, of not a lot of cap space and a lot of, a lot of needs. They have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, heavy or a lot of big contracts there, and you know remains to be seen what happens with everybody, what happens with Allen Robinson, what happens with any of the, like you say, the first wave versus the, the subsequent waves of free agency. But in a way, it's almost good. I mean, we all know this is a rebuild after what uh, Pace and – uh, company had left here. It'll be curious to see because I think this gives the new regime a chance to bring in, and I'm putting in air quotes, their guys, guys they want, guys they want to build around. Without a doubt, and Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are big on culture. Yeah, I I've covered I've covered seven years of Bears football. I've covered college football before. I kind of roll my eyes when I hear the word culture because everybody talks about it and few can truly execute it, but. Ryan Poles has been through culture in Kansas City. I mean, that, that franchise is so much more than just Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And he's been a part of building those rosters and creating that kind of identity. And Matt Eberflus, like, like we just talked about, the idea of finding guys who truly fit that defense. He did that in Indianapolis. He knows what he wants within Chicago. So they're going to really be looking at that. They're going to be really coveting the guys who they feel fit. Uh, both scheme and then also kind of, you know, that we've Matt Eberflus is big on, big on that stuff. We've heard about the hits principle and things of that nature. Uh, he really believes in that kind of stuff. So it, it's really hard to answer right now who they're going to be really targeting and what they prioritize other than, you know, that they have a feeling in terms of what they want in these players. Remember, the hits principle stands for hustle, intensity, that stuff. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Thanks for, thanks for joining care. us today. All right, Chris, I'm of the score. He's in Indianapolis at the Combine. So we'll, um, we'll talk some more football. Let's talk about quarterbacks the Bears fans hate. Can we do that? Please. And, we'll, and we have a bit of an update or some insight on the Brittany Grinder situation as we get close to. So Adam got Axelrod on the phone then, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, or, good. Or Renegade. You got Renegade? Yeah. Got that. Okay, okay. good. Yeah, they're not texting me back. It's weird. We we actually got a text here from the eight four seven. It says, "Hey guys, G U I apostrophe S." There's no way Obama's Obama from the eight four seven. No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm late. I was pulling some tubes. You know, a little wake and bake. How can I help? So maybe we maybe Obama's we got him. Obama's got to be a three one two guy. There's I'm, no way he's eight four seven. I'm guessing he knows that. Hey guys, is not is G U Y S and not G U Y apostrophe S. But that could just be because he's been on the W B club. Hey yeah, guy he, is possible. Guy is guy is hey, guy is. <laughs> Hey, guys. All right. Oh, I love doing that. Sorry. Keep, keep talking quarterbacks. Bears fans hate. <laughs> On Saturday, second, just a perfect and appropriate. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, 
You deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All week, non-combat related is... Rich, of course, the biggest storyline all week, non-combat related, is the future of Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. All eyes on him as we await a decision. My understanding after talking to sources of the last couple hours is that Aaron Rodgers is truly torn as far as where he wants to play in 2022. And I know the conventional wisdom is that he ends up back in Green Bay, and perhaps that happens. There's a lot of positivity between Rodgers and Green Bay, and no doubt the organization is intent on doing everything it possibly can to bring back the reigning MVP. But I am told as of right now, he is going back and forth on where he wants to play in 2022. As we have more, we will bring it to you. But that is the Aaron Rodgers latest, Rich. Aaron Rodgers is a diva. Imagine that. Shocker. Breaking news. Go have some ghee. And then whatever end it fires out of, that's what you deserve. (laughs) So there's Bears owner Aaron Rodgers. That was Ian Rappaport on NFL Network talking about Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't know what he wants to do. To be or not to be a Packer. He's doing this whole Hamlet thing, doing the whole diva thing and just... And and the immediate comparisons to like did we went through this with Favre right was this worse than Favre is this not Favre whatever I well so Favre actually left so so far despite the all of the talk and all of the whatever you want to say that Rodgers has given us mm-hmm. he hasn't left so we don't we haven't had uh, Rodgers and the Jets Rodgers and the Vikings Rodgers you know. and the Jets suit no I mean and right. what's interesting to me and Rappaport mentions it there is that it's what he wants to do. I mean, he could do whatever the heck he wants right now. He could retire. He's made a ton of money. So it's not, it's going to be about money, but it's not going to be all about money. Well, I disagree because somebody so, who's familiar with him is a guy named Greg Jennings. You remember the name sure. Greg Jennings, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Packers wideout. He caught 39 regular season and four postseason TD passes from that Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he did. Chap- and he was asked about the reports that Aaron Rodgers okay. wants to be the NFL's highest player, highest paid player, right? $50 million uh-huh. apparently is. Quote, Aaron Rodgers has been a very selfish guy. I go back to personal experiences. His words to me were, quote, don't be that guy. All of a sudden, it's about the money. Hey, guys, guys, Whoop. this is crazy, but I have this audio that you're talking about. Greg Jennings, you want to hear it? Yes, please. Aaron Rodgers came to me when I signed my deal with the Green Bay Packers, my extension, my first extension after my rookie deal, came up to me because players had been going back to the organization front office and trying to renegotiate and not being happy uh, with the contract that had been signed. And his words to me were, 
don't be that guy. Don't 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 sign this contract mm. and then want more money. Now, all of a sudden, you mm. forget those words that you have poured out and tried to pour and invest into others. Wow. That it, it, you can't do those types of things. And like I get it, the team is completely different, and there are some that never knew that conversation even existed. But for one who does, and it happened to me verbatim, this is what you do now. You're under contract, buddy. Hey, that's Greg Jennings on First Things First. Nick Wright, who uh, close personal friend of Danny Parkins, and well played that's there, what Trash Panda. Greg Jennings talking about the diva. Aaron Rodgers. So, so to me, I think this this is where my brain takes this. That Rodgers ends up with a short term. I I for a few months will be the highest paid player in football until the next quarterback extension happens, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, the place that that makes the most sense happening is Green Bay. But that, I mean, that doesn't mean it will. I mean, if he decides, like last summer, I thought, okay, he's going to farewell tour this and he's going to leave. But now, mm-hmm. everything ever since then has been. A lot more warm and fuzzy than I thought it would be. Well, he's more than a decade past his one Super Bowl. <laughs> right. And Jordan Love sat there for and not that it matters if Jordan as Love As many is, Super Bowls as Matthew Stafford has. Right. Well, no, you I, suck, Aaron. If if you're the Packers, now now clearly they have decided that they want him back, right? I mean, that is that is all of the 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 media reporting is that they want him back, but basically they're waiting to see what he decides to do. I don't get the uh, impression that they're exactly enamored with Jordan Love anymore. Do you? No. But you know who's available? Mitch Trubisky. I love it. And you know, I can't wait because I see all the things. And people are like re-warming up to Mitch Trubisky again Mike, after one year as a backup. Mike Kliss, Oswego's very own. He covers the Broncos for Nine News in Denver. I think is yeah, uh-huh. he was. he's from Oswego. And he uh, tweeted this out. Combine sources with QB trade market seemingly drying up. Free agent quarterback gaining most moment- strong momentum is Mitch Trubisky. Holy cow. He should get starting jobs somewhere, especially with five QB desperate teams. And then Mike Kliss lists New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Washington, Carolina, Denver. Denver, yeah. Washington made a big run at Russell Wilson. Can, it was declined Can by the you Seahawks. imagine a Bears fan's worst nightmare? Trubisky signs with one of those teams, starts, and becomes a star, which means that you may not have drafted the wrong quarterback, but you had the wrong coach and system around him. Yeah, and if it's Washington, you got, wait, you mean we had Ron Rivera in the building and uh-huh. we let him go? Oh, boy. Okay, so this was sent to me by Notorious RMG. She's the resident mean girl at my Trader Joe's. Okay. And it comes from TMJ... Four, their stat, their web staff. Who's the most hated person associated with the NFL? Rogers. It is, but this is surprising. Come out of Milwaukee that they would do it this way. So it's not Antonio Brown. He came in second. It's not Bill Belichick. He came in third. This was a quote a semi scientific Twitter study found Aaron Rodgers to be the most despised person. In the NFL. So it's not just you, Chicago. It's everywhere. It seems that Bet Online, the their staff conducted a study of finding negative phrases associated with people on Twitter. 
More than a million tweets were analyzed by this kind of keyword association. Rogers had 266,850 negative tweets about him during the month of December. That's more than double the amount Brown had in second place. Hmm. He's running away with it. He's the most despised man in the NFL. I think we could have figured that out. That's, but that's it. That's running. I can't think. And, and now that you say Antonio Brown, if I would have thought about it long enough, I would have gotten to Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. But having not seen that story, that this this was not something where we talked about it before. My immediate first answer was Rodgers. And who else would it have been? Right? I mean, that's, that's well, it. But, you know, Bill, Bill Belichick just out of habit. right and at the time and odell beckham jr what's going on with this guy and then it turns out he's your he's unbelievable in the super bowl catches a td and here as they according to the way they did this most disliked players coaches owners associates whoever it is Mm -hmm. associated with the nfl so sixth is somebody we've talked about on this show today no, in the past. Sixth. Current player? Yeah. No. Current coach? Current brother. Jackson Bro- Mahomes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson Mahomes. Sixth place. He's sixth. not even a yeah, player. He's a current brother. Oh, my God. <laughs> Relative of player. But here's what's really odd is you would think, because he's a clown, right? Oh, sure. Pat Mahomes' brother's a clown. Yep. But way down on the list is Brittany Matthews, Brittany Mahomes. The, the, the wife, yeah. Yeah. She's way down on the list. She's barely ahead of Richard Sherman and behind Jalen Ramsey. But not nearly. I mean, he's six. Jackson Mahomes is six. Where's Brittany Matthews is the one spraying fans with champagne and, and mm-hmm. doing, all, all, doing so much antagonizing on whether it's Instagram or Twitter that she promoted, she prompted Justin Herbert after the Chiefs had beaten the Chargers. He he tweeted out a picture of Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Matthews mm-hmm. and says, "Yeah, I lost the game, but at the end of the day, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes has to go home to these two. So who really <laughs> lost? <laughs> Which was just outstanding. Yeah. Oh." If you if you had any question about your love for Justin Herbert, there it was, but I didn't understand that. And and Baker Mayfield is like right in the middle. Baker Mayfield's more hated than Daniel Snyder. No, I mean, that's a, yeah, according to this, the way. Well, this, that's wrong. Yeah, you know, so, I find Baker Mayfield to be an interesting you like entity, entity to think about. I love his commercials. I'm with you. I'm not sure if I like the person. It's weird. Like, I've actually had this discussion in but depth with some friend of mine. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I like him or not. It's weird. Like, he's the kind of guy that I think I need to sit down and have a beer with and decide, like, do I like this guy or not? So, well, you have like five hours a night to do it on the overnight show. Yeah, you'll sure call him that. up. Yeah. Call him up. Hey, Baker, have, come have on and have a beer with me. Yeah. Right. You, have, have him bring Obama and that's right. David you, Axelrod. Baker Mayfield and David Axelrod get together, have some be a beers, nice, and there you go. Be a nice panel. <laughs> Are we, uh, we as a radio station, we're lucky enough to have former Commissioner Faye Vincent on. We will uh, walk you up to that. We'll take a break. We'll walk you up to that before we end Saturday Suckage. He's Mike Esposito. I'm Steve Rosenblum. And I guess Faye Vincent's going to supersede. He's, he's just going to take the spot of Dave and Barry. I guess they're not.
they're not coming on for all the efforting the trash uh, they're busy there. they're busy sorry guys maybe next week we'll see chicago sports radio 670 the score oh oh and i almost forgot uh, i'm also gonna need you to go ahead and come in on sunday too okay well done trash panda little doesn't, office space. doesn't make up for not booking David Axelrod or President Obama. It's fine. it's fine if you want me fired or something now. I get it. <laughs> so I want to thank Crash Panda. He was efforting the whole time. Thank Mike Esposito. Julia Poe of the Tribune. Evan Altman, Cubs Insider. Chris Emma of the Score. Thanks, Espo. Glad to be here, my friend. See you soon. If nobody important listened, we'll be back next week. Now we'll bring you an Inside the Clubhouse interview with Faye Vincent on the Score. Good morning, Mr. Vincent. Thank you for joining us this morning. Oh, good morning to you. Mr. Vincent was my father, so Faye is fine. <laughs> well, Faye, it's a pleasure to talk to you and a privilege as well, especially in light of what baseball is enduring and going through this week. So let's just begin with your perspective, given your experience. How difficult is it for the commissioner of baseball to balance making decisions based on what's for the, quote, good of the game with what's best for the owners? Well, it's impossible, and the reason is uh, structural. That is, the commissioner is seen by many people, including people in the media and certainly the public, as uh, having a responsibility for the whole game. The the problem is the union uh, sees the world in a sort of bicameral way where they're on one side and the commissioner and the owners are on the other. So... Any sort of moral suasion by the commissioner is very, very difficult. Um, the union views the commissioner as a as a servant of the owners, and there's some basis for that, obviously, because the owners hire the commissioner. It's a very difficult position. Hey, uh, appreciate you coming on uh, so much with what's going on in the world everywhere. Uh, you know, baseball is big to us and the fans, but we know there's there's large issues out there in the world, and it's disconcerting, to say the least, that baseball isn't being played. As, as a fan of the game, um, what, what is your perspective? I mean, how should, how should a fan, how should a uh, commentator, how should uh, somebody looking at both sides, you know, trying to decide to divide up $10 million, $11, $11 billion a year, how, how, should we, how should we focus on it? How, how would you suggest? Well, I think the beginning of wisdom, and I submit it to you and to everybody who's listening, you have to separate the game from the business. The business of baseball is an ugly, greedy, money-grubbing uh, business. It's, it's like all businesses. It has, there's very little sympathy for... Uh, the noble, romantic is what Bart Giamatti always used to uh, comment on. He said he was a romantic and he was pleased to be so. The, somebody once right, I think it was a professor at Cornell, wrote that the business of baseball is like looking at the sun without any sort of um, visor. You cannot look at the sun for more than a few seconds and then you have to turn away. The game of baseball is better than that. The business of baseball is awful. So when you're forced to look at the business, and we are today because of a lockout or strike, 
The fact is nobody wants to do that, and I don't want to do it, and neither should you. It's ugly stuff. The part that's wonderful is the game of baseball. So I love talking about the game, but unfortunately the business takes precedent about every five or ten years. Now this time it's been 30 years because they had a last fight in really in 94, 95, which was awful. I thought it was the... I thought it was the last fight, and I, I think I should have been correct, but the, the two sides won't agree on even that. There should never have been that cataclysm in 94, which was when the owners decided to see if they could break the union. Bud Seelig was that, and I understood why he did it. He wanted to see if the union would crack. Well, it didn't, and it's not going to break or crack now, and so... The business of baseball is about greed. It's about both sides wanting to come out with the most money, the most power, uh, the most, uh, and, and a moral victory because each one of them thinks that his side is uh, morally superior. The union is saying we're the downtrodden guys that were squeezed by these moguls. The moguls are saying we put money up, we bought the business, we should be entitled to run it, and the union has been away much more than their fair share, fair being an awful word, and uh, we don't like it. So my point is stick with the game, all of us who love it, and forget about the business. Greed will take care of the business. We're joined by former baseball commissioner Faye Vincent here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score, David Hall, Bruce Levine. Faye, I, I don't know whose counsel Rob Manfred may seek or if he does, but if he were to call you today, given your experience, what kind of advice would you offer if he were asking for direction? He has to find somebody like Steve Greenberg, who was uh, who is the son of Hank Greenberg, was my deputy. Steve Greenberg was very well respected by Don Fear, the head of the union. When we had a big lockout and a fight, Steve Greenberg and Steve uh, I mean, Don Fear and Steve Greenberg went off quietly uh, at 2 in the morning. Uh, there were three or four issues that were not huge, but they were difficult. And the two of them went in a private room because Steve Greenberg was the only person in the meeting that Don Fear would trust. He didn't trust me or anybody in the ownership because the owners had stolen $280 million from the players and the owners, some of them, were still there who were very involved in uh, doing that theft. So Steve Greenberg and Donald Fear worked out a deal, came back into the room and said, We've hand we shook hands, the two of us, we think this is a workable solution. It's obviously a compromise. They got it done. There has to be somebody in the room, maybe two of them, maybe four of them. They have to really want to get it done, and they have to say enough's enough, and this is only about money, and we're going to get it done. And I don't know how you arrange that. Steve Greenberg had enormous. He's, by the way, the leading sports investment banker in the country. He should be the commissioner. I think the owners really tried to persuade him to be the commissioner instead of Manfred. Steve didn't want to do it. Steve Greenberg was the solution in my day. I was very fortunate to have him. Manfred doesn't have a Steve Greenberg. I would try to find Steve Greenberg or anybody who's close to him in terms of 
The reason that Steve Greenberg was so essential is that people trusted him. He is an honest, noble, really superb citizen, and the union people, including Donald Fear, knew that. I don't think in the room that they have today, there's somebody with Steve Greenberg's credibility. Say, uh, when you uh, when you look at your your time as commissioner, I I look back and I see a lot of good that was done. In particular, uh, the rule the rule about Roger Maris, uh, you know, with the asterisk that uh, Ford Frick had put on his record uh, when he was approaching it, and and you uh, you t- changing 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 it around to uh, it being the record with no asterisk. What are some of the things uh, that you prided yourself on during during your run, and uh, and some of the things that uh, baseball has been able to do that you know maybe were started uh, during the time when when Bart took over, and then when you took over for Bart? Uh, well, I think there are three things. One, I think bringing Steve Greenberg sent a message to the union that if Steve and I were running things, the attitude toward the union and the ability to work with the owners would have been increased. Secondly, I made a big, big effort to try to redress the screwing that the black ball players, the old Negro League ball players, had gotten. I got the Negro League alumni a pension plan and into a health plan. And it took some doing, um, but it was a very good thing to do. And I brought Lynn Coleman, who was a, a wonderful fellow who happens to be black, into baseball, and he had a lot to do with my being able to get all that done. And thirdly, I think I tried to persuade the union and the owners that after collusion, when the owners stole all that money from the players, it was going to take a long time to fix that up. But we had to do it because, in, and, and they haven't done it. And the fight between the union and the owners is a stupid fight. If they don't come together and agree on a common mission, Baseball is going to go through these things every five years. And sure enough, it's 30-some years since 1990, 32 to be precise, when mm-hmm. we solved the problem and Greenberg and Don Fear did it. And they haven't been able to come together like that ever since. Part of it is that I left the stupid owners, then pushed Steve Greenberg out, which was a huge mistake. And I think, you know, recently uh, Steve Greenberg has proven that he probably was the answer. I don't think Rob Manfred bless his heart and is in a position to do it because the union recognizes that Ranford was a labor negotiator for baseball. And the credibility, the stature that Steve Greenberg had, unfortunately, is not available to baseball. So I'm proud of a lot of what I did. I'm not very proud that I never could persuade the owners that what Steve and I was doing made sense. We took the long view, and the owners said, we don't have time to wait. Our business is going down the tubes. And some of the owners, one of them right in Chicago, Mm -hmm. felt very strongly that uh, I was the wrong guy and that they had to move to get Selig in there. And in a way, they were right. Sheila got them 30 years of peace. But now we have the fact that no progress was made in building a real relationship and partnership. So we're paying the price for those 30 years of very good, peaceful, 
activity. Along those lines, in a final thought, we really appreciate your time. If you're Rob Manfred, and in your case, what is a bigger challenge for a commissioner? Is it MLB versus the, the, the players' union in negotiations like this? Or is it the, the big market owners versus the small market owners in those caucuses in that trying to build a consensus, if you will, that you need to get a deal done? You know, the biggest problem is that the union structure was a defensive structure that came along in the 40s with the Taft-Hartley Act. It was designed to protect employees by being, from being screwed by owners and, and employers, big companies. And the union structure is, it was, work, was very important to the history of this country, but it's out of date. And now, in order, look, the only business, private business in this country that is heavily unionized is the entertainment business. Now, in Hollywood, where I came from, the unions are all in a very sort of limited role, and the, and the entertainer, the actors and actresses, own a piece of everything that's produced. So if, in my day, Columbia had a movie called Tootsie. Well, Dustin Hoffman made the movie, and he owns a piece of it. When you have Derek Jeter, who contributed enormously to the uh, success of the Yankees, retired, he ended up owning nothing of the Yankees. That's because the union structure got Derek Jeter a very good salary, but no ownership. And the fact is, in order to build wealth in this country, you have to own something. Working for a living without owning a piece of the equity is a limited uh, situation. So the baseball players make thirty, forty million, but they don't own anything. LeBron James doesn't own any part of the Lakers. And what does LeBron James do? He buys a piece of the Red Sox on the open market because he wants to own a piece of the equity in the sports business. Very smart. The quarterback yeah. for the Kansas City Chiefs owns a piece of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's very smart. He's the only major sports figure I know who has a piece of the equity of the team he plays for. That is the way of the future. But the union structure is totally out of date. Now, I'm about 30 years ahead of myself, but in long after I'm dead, the owners and the players are going to have to structure an arrangement where they own the game together and they run it together, and the commissioner works for both the owners and the players, and the union goes by the boards, but there's an ownership structure that protects the players from anything that the uh, owners might do. They have the same economic interests. Hey, uh, David and I appreciate this so much. In closing with you, I'm going to ask you why you think Florida – in particular, and in general, expansion in baseball in Florida has not worked. And will expansion work again once they go to 32? Because it looks like they're hell-bent on, on getting two more clubs uh, in, in Major League Baseball. You know, I don't think expansion makes sense. I mean, you're diluting the equity of what you've got. I think um, the electronic... Uh, Sports is a better business long-term than people coming out to the ballpark. Uh, that's where the money is going to be. And I think that the reason sports 
expansion hasn't worked is that it was never really done uh, terribly well. It worked. Look, the Dodgers and the Giants, uh, California has worked better than Florida. Why is that? Well, better owners, better environments, better. Chavez Ravine is a better ballpark than Tampa Bay. That's not, as Barchimani would say, I could use a higher standard. The worst ballpark professional ballpark in the country is Tampa Bay. And until they fix that, that poor franchise is dead. Well, you know, it's been there for 30 years. It's a tragedy. And again, to blame Florida for baseball going into Tampa Bay makes no sense. Tampa Bay, it's a very nice community, and I used to spend time there, but the ballpark is in a terrible location. It's impossible to get to. You have to cross to a barrier island over a little bridge. Makes no sense. So I think you can't blame. Expansion is a bad idea because you're diluting the value of the franchises that presently exist. And there are very few communities big enough to support uh, baseball, not because they're not big enough, but because they're not a big enough television market. And sports is, to this day, all about television. Faye, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Be well, be happy, and thank you so much for your time today. Not at all. Thank, thank you, you for calling. Thank you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.